Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to TC Live on a beautiful Thursday at Roland Garros. One trophy already handed out, two new Grand Slam champions, and we could have a new winner on the women's side as well. It has come down to these four players. First up, world number one Iga Sviantek against Daria Kazetkina, followed by 18-year-old American Coco Golf playing Italian Martina Trevisan for the second time here. Iga Sviantek on a winning streak of historic proportions. She is going for her 34th straight victory. That would tie Serena Williams for the second longest run since 2000. She's won her last 12 matches against top 20 players. And Coco Golf making her major semifinal debut. The teenager hasn't dropped a set yet and could become the youngest woman to reach a major final since Maria Sharapova took Wimbledon back in 2004. A lot to talk about today as we welcome you onto our tennis channel, DraftKings Desk. We are getting ready to go for the women's semifinals. Steve Weissman, Paul Anacone, Chanda Rubin, John Wertheim. We are going four wide today. We're going to talk to the tournament director here at Roland Garros, Amelie Moresmo. But first, we got to talk about Iga Sviantek. She is on this incredible run right now, 33 straight matches in a row. What has impressed you most about what she's done so far in Paris, Chanda? I think the level that she's been able to maintain through some of the adversity, some of the difficult moments on court where she struggled, she's lost the first set, um, I think. But overall, she's gotten through those frustrating moments. And in her last match, played terrific tennis. The level she has played, the speed she's played at, for me, has continued to impress. And, you know, this is sort of what we saw when she won it a couple of years ago, but it's a more mature Iga Sviantek as well with more experience and it's hard to see her not taking this trophy but she's still got some some bumps in the road and some stiff uh, competition coming up. I think the context is interesting here too. I mean remember she sort of uh, got that number one ranking by default when Ash Barty who was number one and won the Australian Open abruptly retired and there was about maybe you know 72 hours of boy is, is Iga really a worthy number one and she has not lost since then. That's making a statement. So uh, she's undefeated as a number one ranked player. I think you raise a good point. Sometimes she's just steamrolling the competition. Others, she's finding out ways to win, and those have been just as impressive. You know, you know it's interesting to watch her lose the first set the other day and then get through that match. There's a lot of self-imposed pressure that comes on once you get this far in a tournament. Obviously, she's gotten on a big roll, but the pressure builds the further you get. You know, so semifinal is going to be more pressure. Final is going to be more pressure. A lot of it's going to be self-imposed. So to me, it's about how she manages the moment. We know she's playing the best tennis, but can she free herself up enough so that she just lets herself play without that sense of expectation? Because, guys, we've been talking about this for a long time, over 30 straight wins now. So no matter what anyone says, she knows what's happening. So expectation builds. 
Absolutely. 106 days now, the count, since Iga Sviantek last lost a tennis match. And during this run, she's had 16 bagels. She's absolutely destroying the competition into her second straight major semifinal. This is stuff, Chanda, that we haven't really seen in almost a decade. No, and I think that first semifinal that she got to this year in Australia was impressive because the courts were quicker, not really to her advantage, but she worked it out. And I think that has led her to this stage where she's in a comfort zone. Those 33 straight wins, number of those now coming on the red clay where she's so comfortable, where she has a little more time, she can be more aggressive, not easy to win sets six love time and time again. It's just been impressive, not only the wins, but how she's gotten them. And it'll be interesting to see how she handles this finals weekend as well. She spoke to John about this big streak she's on. Do you love or hate the word streak right now? Um, I try to, you know, take only positive stuff from it, but for sure it's, you know, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of, you know, reminders that I should keep going, but I want to really play without any expectations. Um, so, yeah, it's hard, but I'm, I'm working on it, so it's going to give me only positive stuff. If she's still working on it and still winning, she's doing a really good job. What's going to be her biggest challenge today, Paul, against Daria Kazakina? I think she's going to be your biggest challenge. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to sound uh, too much uh, the alarms about what happens internally when you get in this situation. I, I think Kazakina can cause her some problems with the variation. But, but I think Sviantek is playing so well, it's only going to be about how well she manages the situation. If Kazakina can get close in a set... Maybe the variation will make her unsettled a little bit, but it's really about what Sviantek does. It's going to be about her, her racket, and her mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we talk about those 33 matches. It has been very impressive, but let's be clear, none of those has occurred in, in a major final. You know, imagine having a streak like that and not having a major title to show for it. So a lot of this is the pressure that we've all been talking about. Kazakina, she, she's a tricky player. She's a fun player. There are angles. I mean, there, there's changes pace, but... Iga just hits such a bigger ball. It's just hard to see Kazakina hurting her at all. I think, I think you're right. Stay, stay close and hope your opponent gets nervous is about the best Kazakina can hope for. Yeah, I think the real struggle for Kazakina is going to be on serve as well. I mean, her serve at times gets really slow. She gets a bit nervous, just kind of uses it as a point starter. And Iga Sviantek is so aggressive in her return position and how she attacks returns. That's going to be an area she looks to exploit. And if you can't hold serve, that's going to be a struggle on the right clay. It's part of the reason why their last three uh, matchups have gone Sviantek's way, pretty one-sided fashion. So Kasatkina's going to have to change some things up, go for the serve a little bit more, and really come out ready to defend in that department. It's going to be tough to do that over the course of, you know, a couple of sets. She is the big-time favorite in our first women's semifinal today, Iga Sviantek. In our second semifinal, we've got the 18-year-old American Coco Golf. And she's looking to become a major finalist against Martina Trevisan as we see Coco is warming up for that match right next to us. Pretty cool stuff to be able to see her get ready for the match. Uh, what makes you think, Chanda, that she will get this done today? 
I think it's what I have seen from Coco Golf in this tournament in particular. It just seems like something has clicked. You know, she has risen a level or two. Her movement on this surface has been impeccable. The way she's been getting out to shots, recovering. She has stolen more points in the last two matches. And by steal, I mean that in a good way, where she, it looked like there was no chance for her to win the point, and she turned the tables. She's been able to go from defense to offense. She is comfortable moving into the net in her volleys and I think all of those things coming together with the mindset and the belief I mean it just seems like she feels it's inevitable that she will get to her first major final but it'll be a tough one against a player she lost to there's you know a little bit of scar tissue as we like to call it but it's also an opportunity to get a little revenge and that's always dangerous for the player on the other side revenge best served in Paris would be the youngest finalist here since back in 2001 that was Kim Kleister's and as you saw, she is also in the semifinals of doubles with Jesse Pagula. So she could do what Barbora Krejcikova did last year. Coco Goff looking to make her way into the top ten if she gets the title here. It was just four years ago. She was the junior champion here at Roland Garros, and she spoke about dealing with those big expectations. Ever since I joined tour people, you know, or even when I was young or eight, even eight years old, the next Serena or the next this and the next that. And um, I think I really fell into the trap of believing that. Um, and yeah, it's important that you have high hopes for yourself, but also at the same time, you know, it's important to be in reality. And, and I think that's where I am. I'm in reality where I'm enjoying the moment, enjoying the situation. The reality is she's not only the youngest player in the top 15, top 20, she's the youngest player in the top 160 in the world. Chanda brought up, Paul, the fact that she played Martina Trevisan here a couple of years ago, lost in three sets. Where has Coco improved the most since then? Oh, pick a department. I mean, it's, it's been an amazingly quick maturation for her. We've, we've thrown so many expectations on Coco Golf since we first saw her. And now I think she's really at her peak in terms of being comfortable. You know, Chanda talks about how well she played here uh, so far to get to this position. One of the things that I'm watching closely is what she's doing in big moments, big moments of matches. How is she playing? What's her default mode look like? She is an unbelievable athlete, has plenty of safety on the backhand. The forehand can go a little bit, but I tell you what, it has been sharp this week. At the end of the first set against Sloane Stevens, that could have gone either way, and she was very, very disciplined. So I think this is uh, Coco Goff's match to win or lose. Steve, you mentioned that she's in the doubles as well, and I think that's really significant. I mean, instead of reading your clips or reading your social media, teenagers getting on the TikTok, uh, letting these nerves build, she's out there playing tennis. It's match situations. They won their match, so you leave the court with some good vibes. I think that's something that's really significant. It's not particularly hot out there, so it's not as though it's physically taxing. I think that's something that will really help her going into what is realistically the biggest match of her career. Yeah, I think you consider with Martina Trevisan, you know, the fact that she's on this win streak, she's feeling confident. You know, that can be a bit dangerous, maybe a little more relaxed because there's less pressure on her. It was tough for Trevisan to close out her last match, but she got it done. And now is a moment that she can really swing out more freely. Will she be able to do that? Will she seize the opportunity? It's going to be tough to do it against golf because it's difficult to get the ball by her on this surface, uh, especially. So it'll be interesting. The start both of these players get but so far golf she's been starting out quickly and that is a real advantage for her as well playing with a ton of maturity it just kind of seems like this is coco golf's moment making her first major semifinal, looking to make her first final and perhaps raise her first 
major trophy. On the men's side, the Roland Garros ground still shaking from what happened about 36 hours ago. We had Rafa Novak 59. The match that took two months, Paul, started in May, ended in June. And as always, GOAT status on the line when these two meet. It's just amazing. Every time I watch these guys play, I figure I've seen everything. But another uh, earth-shattering performance by both of these guys. Uh, Rafa was amazing the first set and a half. And what does a great player like Novak do? He just buckles down, down two breaks in the second set, doesn't flinch. This second set is all about Rafa Nadal trying to win it. But what happens? Rafa goes back to zero, wins the third set, 6-2, so comfortably. Then we get into this epic fourth set where Novak served for it. Had a couple set points, and the tiebreak was all about Nadal. A couple mistakes from Novak towards the end of that fourth set, and that was about being dispirited by the uh, oppressive mentality of the guy on the other side of the net. It was amazing tennis and uh, Herculean effort from both of these guys. I love it every time they step on the court. How about this? 110 wins now at Roland Garros. For that man, into another semifinal. The quest for 14, and how about 22 Majors overall in the year 2022. In the other quarter, Carlos Alcaraz, the teenager, taking on Alexander Zverev. John, Sasha looking for some revenge after losing the Madrid final to the teenager. Yeah, bear in mind, this was the warm-up act, and uh, this lived up to its billing as well. Uh, this bit, bit of a generational clash, bit of a rematch uh, and revenge opportunity for Zverev. Nice knockoff volley there. This was a very, very tight match. This was a tight tiebreak, and that is a big boon. Look at him celebrate. That's a quarterfinal win for a veteran beating a 19-year-old. You, you think uh, he has esteem for the guy on the other side of the net? But Zverev into the semis to face Nadal. This was a great match. Uh, he, he told you, not it's a statement win, but it says a statement that this is the reason why if he wins the tournament, it's this match. And by the way, if Sasha Zverev does win the tournament, he'll get to back for the first time ever. Number one in the world. I mean, that's a huge thing. A major champion, number one in the world. You see the head-to-head between these two, 6-3 overall for Rafa Nadal, 4-1 on clay. He's certainly the favorite coming into this one, but... Uh, what do you think Rafa's going to have left for this match, Chanda? We, we always wonder about the foot. The foot's been fine. I mean, Rafa seems like Rafa from 10 years ago. No, we keep kind of saying, okay, how will Rafa recover? How is the foot? How will he be physically? And he keeps showing that it seems to not be a factor. And I think it's going to be the same thing in this case. Certainly a, an emotional win over Djokovic. That was the match that everything was building towards at the beginning of the tournament. And to get through that for Nadal has to be a little bit of a relief. But he's so used to coming back and battling, having the title be the ultimate goal. And that's where Nadal is at his best. So I think he'll have plenty left in the tank. And he knows that he has to bring it against Verev. This is not just the uh, a win that we can pencil in. They've had some battles. Verev has beaten him in the past. So the fact that Rafa isn't going to take it lightly. That's another check in, in his column. So it'll be interesting. I'll be looking forward to that one, certainly, especially after the way Nadal played to close out Djokovic. Yeah, we continue to try to figure out what makes Rafa tick, right? We continue to talk about his age. He played four hours and 20 minutes against Felix Ogialiassime. What's he going to have a day and a half later against Novak? Oh, no, they're playing at night. It's really slow. How's he going to finish the points? Every year we find all these different ways to question Rafa Nadal and all the greats. Happens to all the greats. But you do it at your own peril. I mean, they are of a different uh, ilk. They're, they're just different people. I've never seen an athlete or human being that is better at living in the moment than Rafa Nadal. I've never seen anyone that all that matters is the next shot and the next point with a short memory. The other night when he was up 
a set and three love two breaks against Novak, loses that second set, 99.9% of the players are gone. They're done. What does Rafa do? Nothing. Reset button, and he wins the next set 6-2. I've never seen a human being that's able to do that so consistently well. All that matters to him is what's going to happen tomorrow. And by the way, he has two days off to recover. So that's going to help a lot. I do not doubt that he's going to be ready to play. I think Zverev is very close to his time. But like I've said for a long time, guys, you know, uh, I think the hardest thing in sports is to beat Rafa Nadal three to five sets on red clay. And I don't think Zverev's ready for it just yet. Yeah, and I mean, you, you talk about short-term memory and you talk about living in the moment. I mean, the other thing, Nandal has said, he said it to us. Um, I mean, he has said it multiple times. I don't know if I'm ever going to play on this court again. I have to take it one match at a time. You know, I'm going to be 36 years old. I've never heard that kind of confront your mortality from Nadal. And I don't know if that's something he's done psychologically to psych himself up. Is this is one of these stories athletes tell themselves. Or is he going out there thinking, who knows if this is my last tournament? I mean, that's wild to think because of the level that he's shown, Chanda. I mean, you beat Novak Djokovic, the world number one. You do it at night when everything's against you. And now, listen, he's got Sasha Zverev, a guy who really seems to have a chip on his shoulder coming into this match because he wasn't talked about at the beginning of this tournament. We talked about Nadal, Djokovic, Alcaraz. Guess who came through? Zverev to face Nadal. I think it's also a good question, though. What was Zverev have kind of after that win over Alcaraz? That was a, an emotional win, clearly one that when we saw his reaction at the end, I mean, he put every in, everything into getting through that match, and it was a battle. Uh, so I think that's a, as good a question as any because going against Nadal, you've got to have everything working. You've got to have the energy. You've got to have the emotional stability. So I think that'll be the question. Uh, but certainly we've seen them have some tough battles because of the way Zverev can play from the ground. He's so solid. He's a rangy player. It's tough to get the ball by him. Uh, he can handle some of those higher balls from Nadal a little more comfortably. So I think it's a good matchup for Zverev if, if he is mentally and emotionally ready to try to take the moment. And as Paul said, that is tough to do three out of five sets here at Roland Garros. It certainly is. One, ten, and three. That's the record, Paul. It's only been done by two players. It's only been done three times. We are leading up to the women's semifinals here at Roland Garros. There is Daria Kazetkina getting set for the biggest match of her life. Can she take out the world number one and the streak of streaks? It's our first semifinal coming your way top of the hour, followed by Coco Golf and Martina Trevisan. Stay with us for more TC Live after this. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. That is the court on which they will play. 45 minutes away from our first women's semifinal here at Roland Garros. Everyone playing in front of Roland Garros as well as Rafa Nadal here on site. A reminder that Tennis.com is your online home for everything Roland Garros this year. From Steve Tigner's Three to See Every Day to all of our interviews in Paris to all the behind-the-scenes coverage on the baseline. Go to Tennis.com today. And here is a look at our Friday schedule on Tennis Channel. 
getting you ready for the men's semifinals tomorrow. We've got TC Live, the four of us on the big decks, 8 a.m. Eastern. Then it's Nadal Zverev, 8.45 a.m. Eastern, followed by Casper Ruud and Marin Cilic. A lot of interesting matchups, a lot of intrigue. For a look at tomorrow's forecast, here's Fox Weather. Hey there, tennis fans. I'm Fox Weather's Jason Fraser, and here's tomorrow's Whirling Garros forecast. So the perfect tennis weather in Paris may be coming to an end for the men's semifinals, and that's all because we're expecting some scattered thunderstorms with highs in the upper 70s and low 80s. And don't forget, you can download the Fox Weather app or stream Fox Weather from your favorite connected TV devices. All right, thank you, Jason. Iga getting her mind right. Cyborg Sviantec. That device measures her stress level, monitoring the activity of her heart and brain, Paul. Our minds on her match, our heart in Paris. Je t'aime, Paris. More TC Live after this. <laughs> Chanda John, Paul, Steve back on TC Live leading up to the women's semifinals. The men's semifinals taking place tomorrow. Bright and early, 8.45 a.m. Eastern, 5.45 a.m. Pacific. Rafa Nadal, the quest for 14 continues against Alexander Zverev, who can get to number one in the world with the title here in Paris. Then Kasper Ruud of Norway making his first major semifinal against former U.S. Open champion Marin Cilic. Back on our DraftKings Tennis Channel desk, where, Paul, you just pointed out, Kasper Ruud is warming up right over there, court three. Yonder. Yonder. Just yeah. yonder. Yep, just a couple we, subtle smooth ground strokes. Yeah, yeah you can hear we, we, we saw Coco warm up. This is a great spot. We're in between courts three and four here on the grounds, and you can see a lot of matches, plus the player warm-ups before they go out there. Let's catch you up on how we got to the men's semifinals. Marin Cilic said his win against Daniil Medvedev was one of the best matches of his career, Paul. Could he complete the career box set of major semifinals against Andre Rublev? Yeah, it never got to the semis here. The only one, and uh, Rublev was 0-4 in his quarterfinal appearances in majors. First set uh, went to Rublev, then Cilic started playing better. First set was choppy. Cilic was better in the second and the third using power ground strokes. Shadows were a nightmare. It's struggling to see. Everyone's struggling to see as the shadow comes across the court. Great rebound from Rublev in the fourth set. And the fifth set tiebreak, gang, this was unbelievable. Marin Cilic played nine points that were basically winners, either aces or ground stroke winners. He just played dominant tennis and really ne- let, never let Rublev even get into the tiebreak. I give Cilic an incredible amount of credit to be able to play that loosely after that tight of a match right at the end. Matched his age in aces, 33 of them, 88 winners in all. Now the fifth active player to make the semis of all four Grand Slams. Guess what? The other guys are what are known as the Big Four. And then we have the first all-Scandinavian quarterfinal in Roland Garros history, John Kasparud and Holger Rune. Yeah, this uh, no shadows. This was under the under the northern lights. Uh, two guys, both of them playing the biggest match of their career. Root had won all three of their previous encounters without dropping a set, and he won the first one yesterday to get on the board. But nice fight back from Rune, uh, the 19-year-old from Denmark. Who thought Alcaraz would not be the uh, look? Here, here we have some beef here. Uh, this we will see. Note the handshake that's coming up as a spoiler because that, they were not happy about that little beef right there. But 19-year-old Hunt Tuff, but then it was the veteran who prevailed in a breaker in the third set, and that really sealed the match. A nice orderly fourth set 
from, look at this, a nice, uh, nice shot making there. That's Casper Ruud at his finest. He got a break and just sort of calmly rolled out this match. And this is not a flashy player, but it's a composed player. And uh, another challenge here that did not uh, please Casper Ruud. You'll note this handshake. Ooh, that is a that is a Nordic chill right there. Note the eye roll and the head shake. Casper Ruud, what happened there? He was asking for a mark that was quite clearly out. I mean, like 10 centimeters on the wideness. So I told him, what, do you need to check every mark? And then he said, uh, told me to be quiet. And I asked him, maybe that's uh, not the greatest thing to tell your opponent, to be quiet when I'm talking to you. And then he said it once more. So that was all that happened. And I didn't ex exchange any more words with him after this. So uh, if that's what he wants to say and behave, that's, uh, that's up to him. I don't know about you all. I love this. I love <laughs> but, this. But I mean, these are the like two two nice guys, right? But it's so confusing because the names were confusing enough, and then Rune was the rude one. Ah, <laughs> I, I can't keep them straight. Dubs. You like this? You you, uh, over there. you got you. Oh, got I am all about the beef. Yeah. Chanda, what do you think? No, I think you know showing a, a little bit of that edginess. Yeah. You know, coming through in a match where you think, okay, personalities don't always shine. I mean, that that was it right there. And I, I think overall for Rude, as the veteran, you know, he just wants a little respect out there, and I understand it, but Rune is like, no. no <laughs> he's a it. teenager. You're not getting it. He's got that teenage <laughs> angst, Paul. I mean, Casper Rude, literally, he is one of the nicest humans on and off the court. So to, to upset him, that takes a little something. Well, there's a, isn't there some Scandinavian thing about general mild-manneredness, J-Dubs? You what would happened, know that being a world stoic, traveler as you are. But... Stoic Scandinavian. Didn't yeah, I tell you, th this is the uh, icy Ooh, handshake, and you see Casper give him the eye first and then the little smirk and a little nod of the head. Look, for me, it's not a big deal. It's great that we can talk about it. It gives us something to chat about, but this is competition. I mean, these, these uh, women and men out there are battling, and they're battling with a lot of emotion, with a lot of fire, and uh, I didn't think it was a big deal at all it's always trickier though when a young newcomer does something like that because right. it, it doesn't send a good message to the locker room uh, you want to be a great competitor but you also want to be a little bit respectful and uh, like you said Casper Root is one of these guys that that you know that you can't say a bad word about him and and no one knows that much about uh, Helga Rune as uh, Caroline Wozniacki will tell you um, and so he needs to kind of lay the foundation of who he's going to be. What he showed everybody here is that he is going to be a darn good player, and a little feistiness is fine. All right. That's fine. I mean, let's also not obscure real quick. I mean, Casper Root has been he's a top 10 player. He's won a lot of matches, hasn't really had a major breakthrough. So this is a bit apart from the beat. This is this is a big win for him and a big opportunity for a top 10 player. He's got more clay court wins than any other player on the ATP tour since 2020. Yeah. I mean, 65 is arguably I know Rafa's Rafa. But in terms of actual victories, Casper Root has been balling. He's going to take on Marin Cilic, who had never been to the semifinals here at Roland Garros. Got that straight set win against Daniil Medvedev. Backs it up with a five-setter against Andre Rublev. I mean, he's 33, but he's looking very fresh, Chanda. Uh, he is, and, and he's showing that he's up to the moment, and that has been the last couple of matches, what we've seen in Marin Cilic, the match against Medvedev, where from start to finish, he played aggressive, controlling tennis,
coming into the net. That was big. He did it again down the stretch in the tiebreak against Rublev. And that's the kind of tennis he will need against Kasper Ruud, who's an even better clay court player and is finding his form, uh, this Roland Garros. So I think Chilich, he's got the weapons uh, to dictate, to control play, but it won't be as easy with the way Ruud moves and with how, you know, he can step in, use his forehand, can use the, the bit of the guile that he has in terms of the angles and, and um, a little bit of the spin. So I think this will be an interesting contrast to see if Chilich can maintain that level and can produce the tennis he's produced in the big moments in this, which is a huge opportunity for him, especially after all the injuries and the yeah. time off court. I mean, he's back to playing fantastic tennis. You know, Joe Wilfried Sanga retired last week. We were looking at his stats. I don't know, 500 wins. There are a lot of really, really good and accomplished tennis players who were perhaps obscured a bit by the big three. And Marin Cilic, I think, falls into that category, too. And you look at what he's achieved and you say, boy, have we appreciated this guy enough? And he's a father now, he's married, and you're sort of thinking, all right, this is one of these careers that's winding down. A lot of respect for a guy who has found another gear here in 2022. And to, to beat the number two seed and just tune him and then come back on 48 hours rest later and beat another younger opponent, another Russian, uh, the back-to-back -back is really impressive. Yeah, and to me, that's huge, John, because he was able to rebound after that huge win to come back and win a tight match and play Look, to play a match tiebreak like he played mm -hmm. yesterday was off the charts. Um, he's playing great tennis. He's playing offensive tennis. Uh, the weather's not supposed to be good tomorrow. It's going to be heavier and slower because of the dampness, we think. I, I think that Casper uh, Ruud, it's his match to win unless Chilich is serving 70 75%. Casper Ruud should have too much from the back of the court in terms of the variety and guile that, that Chanda talked about for Chilich to just unload and just hit through him three out of five sets. I think it's going to be Casper's match. But really, neither player's been in this moment before. So who do you trust in the semifinals? The experienced guy whose window is closing and he knows it or the young guy who's on his way up. I go with the young nerves tomorrow. All right. Kasparu does lead the head-to-head 2-0. That includes a win on clay a couple of years ago in Rome. But the experience factor of being at this stage in a major, knowing that he's won a major, that lies with Marin Cilic. When we come back, look who's here. It is the Roland Garros tournament director herself, Amelie Moresmo. Don't miss what she has to say about scheduling the night sessions here in Paris. Another beautiful day in Paris. Welcome back to TC Live as we are working our way towards the women's semifinals. 9 a.m. Eastern, three first-time major semifinalists, and one former champion on a historic winning streak. Iga Fiante goes for 34 in a row against Daria Kazetkina, and Coco Goff looks to be the youngest finalist here in more than 20 years. With that, we bring you back onto our tennis channel, DraftKings Desk. It is our pleasure to welcome in Hall of Famer, and Roland Garros Tournament Director, Amelie Moresmo, thanks so much for taking some time with us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It is your first year on the job. Right. So what have you enjoyed the most and what have been the biggest challenges so far? Um, I think seeing the people uh, again after COVID, you know, coming to the stadium again and seeing really wanting to be together to enjoy tennis has been really a thrill for the last 10, 12 days for us. And, uh, and the scheduling part is probably the most uh, challenging sometimes. But, you know, it's, it's been good. It's been good. I'm learning a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been a great player. You've also been a coach, a commentator, and being a mom to those duties. What made you want to become a tournament director? I, I honestly never 
thought about becoming the tournament director here at Roland Garros. I never really, um, it was not a plan, a career in the career or, or whatever, how you want to call it. I just, the, the president, uh, Gilles, that we see on, on the screen, uh, called me uh, six months ago and asked me if I wanted to take over Guy Forget for this job. We talked a bit, we, you know, I, I just wanted to make sure that I could have a real impact on the tournament before saying yes, not only being the kind of face of the tournament, and, and uh, the talks were really good, and uh, I'm happy that I accepted uh, this challenge. Well, we were also just seeing some moments from, you know, some special moments there. It was a special tournament for a couple of French players, right. Joe Wilfred Sanga yes. and Gilles Simon. It was an incredible ceremony for Sanga, some of the most emotional that I've seen. What was it like for you being a part of those, of those moments? It, it was good, especially the preparation to those moments. I mean... Um, the one for Joe, we prepared uh, for months before that. Uh, he announced just uh, maybe one or two months before Roland Garros that he was, it was going to be his last tournament, his last match. And uh, with his family, his team, without him knowing, we really prepared this big surprise on, on Chatrier Court. And honestly, everyone was really happy. The feedback that we had after were great, and I'm happy that you guys also enjoyed it, and I think he deserves it with the career that he had, with the charisma that he has, and, and, and hopefully he stays in the tennis world to, to give more. That yeah, was a beautiful ceremony. We're here with Roland Garros tournament director Amelie Moresmo, and uh, you brought up the scheduling. And obviously, you were asked about yesterday the night sessions and how there was only one women's match, right. and there were some comments. What, what would you like to say about that? No, I think the comments, first of all, the comments uh, that I made, I realized were taking out of the, like the wider picture, out of the context. And I want to say sorry to the players that really uh, felt bad about what I said. Um, again, I think uh, the people who know me, who've known me on and off the court throughout my career, throughout everything that I've done, know that I'm a big fighter for equal rights and, and, and women's tennis, women's in general, uh, I have to say. Um, Concerning the scheduling uh, specifically for the night matches, my, my say was that because we have a, a one match only, the ticket holders, I feel that it's really tougher to, to, um, to schedule a women's match because we have to take into consideration the length, I feel. For, I feel that's the fair kind of thing to do for the ticket holder. And, and in this regard, I really want to, to see if next year, because I'm... I took over, but this part, I didn't decide to have this one match. So I feel that next year, in order to be able to be more fair to the, to the women's player, as well as, as the, to, to both categories, actually, it's, uh, it would be good to maybe have the possibility to put two matches or maybe a women's match plus a doubles match. I mean, try to find a better solution to be fair to, to everyone. I also, I also think it's a bit too late. But, you know... We tried to modernize the event, we tried to move forward, and uh, I can see that there are some adjustments to be made. That's for sure, and we're going to talk about it after the tournament. Well, let's talk about the tournament and the matches coming up, the two women's semifinals. Yes. We have uh, incredible players. Uh, there will be a first-time Roland Garros champion, potentially, if Maybe. it's not Iga Sviantec, but <laughs> she is up against first Kasitkina. 
and then we have uh, Coco Goff and Martina Trevisan. What are you thinking and expecting from those matches? I think Iga is on an incredible uh, role. Can you can you say that? And 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 she really is very impressive. Not only what she brings on the court, tennis-wise, her shots, the way she moves, the energy that she has, but the way she's been handling mentally uh, so far this uh, this Roland Garros. I mean, she's everyone knew she's the heavy uh, favorite to win to win the trophy again two years after 2020, and uh, so far she's been impressing me. From this part of of, uh, of her game mentally, I'm really interested to see against Kazatkina with the opposition, the different styles of play and the capacity that both players have to to bring a variety onto the court. How it's how it's going to look like, and then for uh, for Coco Goff against Trevisan, I think I, I, I love watching Coco play. I think she's uh, fantastic for the for the sport. She's fantastic for for women's tennis. And uh, I see her having, even though she's very young and not having such a big experience yet at this stage of the tournament, same as her op opponent today, Trevisan, I see her maybe knowing to do more things on the court than her opponent, but the Italian is fighting like crazy and really playing some good tennis. So this one is also maybe a bit tricky to, to say. Who's going to win it? Listen, we, talk, we talked about Hall of Famer, t tennis player, tournament director, the commentating. We know you've done yeah, that as well. <laughs> Fantastic analysis, Thanks. Amelie. Thanks. Well, well done. <laughs> yes, <laughs> please. Uh, on the men's side, we, we got the 59th edition of Rafa right. and Novak. I mean, that was absolutely insane to see. Yes. Uh, what do you think uh, of Rafa so far and his quest for 14? Well, to be honest, the, the match that he played against Novak, I mean, I, was, uh, I thought it was unbelievable because... Uh, the way, especially at the beginning, because the way of how he entered this, uh, the center court, he was like a, like a bull coming out, out there. And, and, and he really, from the first point, the first game, showed Novak what it was going to be like. And, we, and most of the people were thinking Novak is probably the favorite this time here in Roland Garros, but it showed, he showed once again, Rafa, that when it comes to playing on this particular court, best of five, going to be hard to beat him. One ten and three is a pretty pretty good record oh. there. Best of five sets yeah. here at, at Roland Garros. Merci beaucoup. Merci. It, thanks for having me. It is great to see you and uh, best of luck going forward. Thank you and enjoy the show. Thank you. Thank you. We are looking forward to a fantastic championship weekend. Amelie Moresmo joining us here on TC Live as we lead up to the top of the hour. First women's semifinal. Iga Sviantek not only goes for her 34th straight win, but her fourth this year against Daria Kazakina. Stay with us. Welcome back to TC Live. Oscar Wilde once said, when good Americans die, they go to Paris. Well, the last Americans to win at Roland Garros were Andre Agassi on the men's side and Serena Williams on the women's side. But at the USDA National Campus in Lake Nona, Florida, hopes are alive and well for the next generation of U.S. champions. My name is Brandon Nakashima. Taylor Fritz. My name is Corey Goff. I'm Riley Okoka. I'm Brad Siebel. I'm Amanda. This is a really exciting time for American tennis. We're seeing success on both the men's and the women's side. What a win that is for Sebastian Corda. There's a common thread when we look at the top players, especially the ones that are under 25. And that's the fact that they've come through our junior pathway structure. 
which we designed in partnership with the private sector at our 17 USTA sections. We have a lot of really, really good talent working hard and pushing each other. On the women's side, it really started in 2017. If you remember that watershed moment when we had four women in the semifinals of the US Open. It's unbelievable what these American women are doing. A lot of hard work went into that from the players, from from the USTA, from the private sector to the sections. I think since then we've been extremely dominant. Sophia Kennan is an American dream. It's a dream debut for the 15-year-old. Right now, on the men's side, we're having a lot of success, most of them young. One of the most glorious moments in the young life of Francis Tierfo. For me, that's a result of a lot of hard work five, six, seven years ago. We've had that core group of younger guys, like the 97s, 98s, and then we had this younger generation come up that I think has really helped even push those older guys up a little more. A career-defining moment for Taylor Fritz. What Taylor did in Indian Wells, beating Rafa in the finals, was huge for all of our players, and I mean even our youngest players. You have that healthy competition uh, amongst the players pushing each other, and that inspires the next generation, and it's just so important to keep that pipeline coming. So I think American tennis is in unbelievable hands right now. Anna Samova delivers on the big stage. We opened our doors in January of 2017. The thing it gave us the ability to do was to be more inclusive of all of our top players. Once they're here, they can take advantage of what we call our performance team services. In 2018, our high performance wheelchair function merged in with player development. Part of the importance of integration here was bringing people together, getting our entire player development staff in tennis chairs having some of our able-bodied athletes interacting with our athletes, we're all the same. And we're all together. We're sharing all the same resources. We're on the same courts, using the same tennis balls, all with the same goals and dreams in mind. And I think that is the beautiful piece of player development that's made me cry. It, it's beautiful because it's just never happened. And this is the place that happened. When we talk about the success that we're having right now, Team USA, Everything begins with an army of amazing private sector coaches. Sharing information and pushing hard is really what Team USA is all about. Within our resources, we want to help all up-and-coming Americans. Give them a pattern. Give them a pattern. Just knowing the player individually and seeing them grow up and get to that point, to see them on that stage and, and getting the big wins, and then remembering them at 11 and 12, it's pretty fun. When a player looks back on maybe what I've done, I think it would be a, you know, that I made a positive impact um, on their life. Through this three-way partnership between player development, our USTA sections, and the private sector, we've built a pathway that has gotten us to the point where this resurgence is happening, and we're seeing some of the best results we've seen since 2004. Back on our DraftKings desk, we had more American men seated here at Roland Garros than any other nation, more American women seated here than any other nation. That said, we're still looking for our next man and woman to win a major, Paul. I know you're a little biased on the men's side, and we still have a woman alive on the women's side here at Roland Garros who could be a champion in a couple days. Uh, who do you think is going to be the next man and woman from the U.S. to win a major? Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of numbers, but I, I took a lot of joy in watching all the young faces that we got to look at, all these players that 
were little kids that are now playing out on the tour. Brandon Nakashima, Taylor Fritz right here, Coco. It's, it's so great to see them as kids. And remember, that joy back then is what's driven them to be able to play today and to listen to uh, Martin Blackman and his team's message about what they're trying to do. It's, it is a big a team effort, you know, through what they're doing in player development, what they're doing in grassroots, and what they're doing with the sections as well. I've been lucky enough to do some work with Southern Cal. Southern Cal's trying to do a, bu a lot of bunch with player development. So the pool is getting more full. When you get to the top of it, you have to go with who's done the best right now. And I am biased because I helped Taylor Fritz, but after winning Indian Wells, he's the closest. Second closest would be Francis because he got to the quarters uh, in Australia. And for the women, ladies and gentlemen, Coco Goff will be holding the trophy in two days. Ooh. Prediction time. We didn't, we didn't even queue you up for that. All right. Chanda? Yeah, I think it was interesting, first of all, to see that piece and to kind of look at all the components that go into helping to create professionals that have a chance to compete and potentially win these big titles. It's a long process, a long road, and the USGA really provides, tries to provide those resources for players along the way. That's not always easy when you've got a country the size of, of the U.S., but fantastic, fantastic to see the players now that really have a chance, that are in the mix. And, of yeah. course, for me, on the women's side, Coco Golf is like the easy pick. It's kind of the low-hanging fruit. I'm going to just grab it right here. Um, you know, she's obviously in this big semi, getting to her second quarterfinal, now her first major semifinal. It's not a stretch to see her get to her first final as well. And then we'll see. But I think she right now is on track to be the first uh, American woman to win a major uh, coming up. And on the men's side... Not as clear-cut for me, but I kind of went with Jensen Brooksby. He's been Ooh. a little bit of a disruptor out there. I think he's got the mindset. Um, he has the ability to adjust to different opponents, different styles, and I think that's part of what you have to be able to do to win, to win over the course of two weeks. Uh, and, you know, you've got to be able to sometimes win when you're not playing your best and win a little bit ugly. I think he has that ability as well. So I'm going to go with him. All right, so we've got two Cocos, a Fritz, and a Brooksby, John. What do you got? <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> I am going to say, uh, check back with me in 48 hours. <laughs> what? No, we all got a head start on Coco. No, I think, you know, you got one player who's five-sevenths of the way there, and, uh, I mean, I think we're all in agreement that uh, Coco's time is, is coming. That's a, a bold pick by Mr. Anacone. Um, I think that, you know, I mean, I think one, one point, we talk about pool, we talk about resources. I mean, the other thing I think we always need to remember is that, Look, I mean, we had a, a player from Norway beat a player from Denmark last night. I mean, the, the talent pool globally for tennis is not what it was when people say, it used to be, uh, you know, Agassi and Sampras and Chang, where Courier, where are those guys, you know, Macaron Connors. It's a completely different pool that's playing tennis right now. It is the world. So the U.S. relative to the world is doing quite well. As far as the men go, I would say Seb Korda. 21, plays on all surfaces, offense, defense, Korda. All right. Why do we have to ask you on Saturday, though? No, I'm saying we might have our answer. We and might have ask our answer. Me on See, Saturday. that's why we I might well, for the women. You guys have no guts. for the women? Yeah, for the women, we might have Well, why don't you just say it then, John? I'm saying Coco, but I'm saying maybe I'm not. I got the guts. I'm not right? sitting on the fence <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I've been ready to ridicule about fence sitting for four years. No more. It might be a mystery. <laughs> no, no ego. The streak ends and Coco's Done. your champion. Done. <laughs> Coco. I mean, even if she doesn't win on Saturday, it's coming. Yeah, exactly. I think it's coming. Exactly. All right. Before Ega, before Kazantina, Coco Golf's got to get past Martina Trevisan. This is a rematch. They played a couple of years ago. Coco took the first set, but the Italian came back to win. More TC Live after this. Good prediction, Paul. I love it. Very definitive.
Back on TC Live, taking a look at our viewing guide. Championship weekend here in Roland Garros. Men's semifinals tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern, both of those. The junior finals and women's championship coming your way on Saturday. And then we've got the women's doubles final and the men's title matchup Sunday, 5.30 a.m. Eastern. And the premiere on Tennis Channel at 2 p.m. Eastern. We have already handed out our first trophy today. Just an hour ago, the mixed doubles final. Ulrike Akiri and Joran Vliegen taking on Enna Shibahara and Wesley Kulhoff. What a first set. This one would go to a tiebreak. Anna Shibahara, by the way, looking for their first major titles. All four players, Paul. Yeah, a little nervy and a big comeback. Got into this tough tiebreak. Really just a couple shots here and there. And uh, second set was a little bit more comfortable. Shibahara and Kulhoff got the big lead, started playing more aggressive tennis. And uh, can I give a little props to the UCLA Bruins, Steve? What do you think? Absolutely. Okay. Give an eight clap. You can, you can go all the way. I'll do that for the UCLA Bruins. Well done. Really good effort. First major title. Grew up in Rancho's, Rancho Palos Verdes. And uh, Southern California, born and bred. Represents Japan. But uh, folks in Southern California are going to be very happy for Enoshibahara, a major champion now. Uh, Coco Golf, Jesse Pagula teaming up for doubles in Paris, looking to make the semifinals. Chanda against Anna Bondar and Greek Minin. Yeah, and this was a high-quality match, a lot of movement, court coverage, but Golf with the final word, coaching, using her athleticism, and she's just been such a good mover around the court. But down the stretch here, it, it was Golf again moving forward, following her partner, and Pagula gets in there. She's been so solid, also playing confident tennis, and the two of them together have just been a terrific team. This was the opportunity here, triple match point, and finally they come good. Pagula and Golf into a doubles major semifinal. It's been a terrific two weeks for Golf, still going, and Pagula, she had a fantastic run getting to the quarters and singles, so nice to see them move through. Pagula now a top ten player in singles. Coco could get there as well. Here is the doubles draw. It is an all-American semifinal. We've got our girl Tay-Tay, Taylor Townsend teaming up with Madison Keys, taking on Goff and Pagula. Who comes through? I mean, it's just too bad, Steve. They have to I play know. each other in the semis. Of course, guaranteed an American team getting to the final, but this one, this one is tough, and they all know each other so well. It's hard to pick. Keys, though, with Townsend. Nice to see Taylor Townsend back. After um, maternity leave, coming back strong, getting to this semifinal. I don't know. I, I don't know how to pick it. It's Well, you got to go because of the tennis channel bump, right? Worked with us. Going to win a major. This is what happened with Sloan. Okay. I think it's going to happen again with Taylor. I can go with that. All right. Uh, on social media, we found out that Team Federer has announced a new addition to the family, Paul. Look at look at the pup, Willow. Unreal. <laughs> Didn't think Raj would uh, be having a dog anytime soon, but I'm sure the kids love it. And uh, he looks pretty happy there, right? I'm a little concerned about this, Steve. Exactly. I'm what? a little concerned. When you start to get a dog, that means you're settling down. You're not coming back out as often. It's for the kids. No. It's for the kids. Traveling. So when he's traveling, the I don't know, Paul. I don't know. The, the dog quote on dogs. He, what is he? He doesn't trust their intention. He doesn't trust their motivations. So uh, the, the doll, not, not really? a lover, but. Uh, huh. Better. I, I'm with you though. Does, does, oh, that, the, the, the tea leaf readers want to know yes. about Roger. Think that's a that's a lifestyle. Yeah. Come on, guys. there's so Don't many players that deeply. travel with their dogs it on is, tour. This Don't doesn't look like deeply. a traveling dog. Cute. <laughs> How does Willow that's not travel? Beauty, but does he put that in his merch? No. 
Roger, if you need a dog sitter, I got you. Bring Will. I'll, I'll take care of Willow. Inside Coach Philippe Chatrier. Momentarily, we've got the first women's semifinal coming up next. Semifinal Thursday in Paris. Playing for Coupe Suzanne Longland. Well, they'll be playing for that on Saturday. A chance to get there today. Women's semifinals coming up top of the hour. The walkouts of our first one on the way. But first, John, can't do a TC Live without your stat of the day. Let's see what we got. Oh, Paul, Paul Shazammed it, and he hears the stat of the day music uh, by David Guetta. What do we got here? Uh, it was 17 years ago that Rafa Nadal broke through one. His first Roland Garros as a teenager, if in fact he should win this year, it would be 17 years bracketing those titles. That is extraordinary. And yet, Serena Williams came good at the 1999 U.S. Open and won the Australian Open in 2017. 17.5 years. So even if Rafa wins, it would be a remarkable stretch, but it would not be... The longevity of Serena Williams. Okay, so he needs to go. come back and do it again next year. Just come next year. Go, go for 15. J-Dub's digging deep. I like it. I like that one. Yeah. All right. We'll have more. Okay. <laughs> Look forward to those, John. Uh, we are looking forward to the walkouts. Iga Fiontech coming up against Daria Kazakina. They've already played three times this year, Chanda, and Iga's only lost 11 games in those three matches. I mean, we see behind the scenes now Kazakina getting ready. Oh. What's the pathway to victory for the Russian? Oh, she's got to play the, the match of her life, I think, and kind of put out of her mind if she's tired of seeing Iga Sviantek on the other side of the court. That's always the challenge when you have a losing record against an opponent. And re- in recent meetings, you haven't really uh, matched up as, as closely as you might like. So for Kasatkina, she's got to get off to a good start. We talked about the serve. And the belief, that's where it becomes more difficult at this stage, her first major semifinal. Does she believe that she can beat Iga Sviantek, you know, on this court? Yeah, I just think that Sviantek has too much power. I think Kazakina can create some problems with the variety. I think the serve of Kazakina is going to be a problem. I think Sviantek is going to be having batting practice on her serve, which is going to be tough. But really, a lot of it is about who manages this moment best, and you never know. There's Iga stepping into the frame. You can see Kasatkina getting the final words of encouragement. Paul, what, what do you say to your player right before they walk out? Do what you do best and do it every time for as long as you can and hold your head up high. Good life advice. As Daria Kasatkina makes her way up the fame stairs, passing by all the legends, all the champions. You can see... Justine Ennen's name there. Our own Jim Courier's name is there. Michael Chang, Andre Agassi. Can she add her name to the list? The first girl to enter on the court was already quarter finalist here in 2018. For the first time in the semi-final in Grand Slam, Daria Kasatkina. Won the girls' singles title here eight years ago in Paris. Could become the seventh woman to also capture Coupe Suzanne Longland. Daria Kazakina, biggest match of her life coming up. And she will be taking on a former champion, Iga Sviantek. Everything going her way right now. The world number one, 33 matches in a row as she makes her way to the top of the stairs. Yes, so opposed to herself, she remporté Roland Garros ici en 2020. La numéro one mondiale, la polonaise Iga Sviantek. Winning percentage here at Roland Garros, more than 90%, third best in tournament history. The quest for more. Will the streak continue? 
Pam, Martina, and Caroline Wozniacki have you covered as the women's semifinals get underway on Tennis Channel next.